Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I am flying solo today. My co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison, is not with us, but today I am glad to have a dear friend of mine join me. You guys, he's no stranger to the Roundtable Consult. He joins us often with a uh, an alternative perspective, and I so appreciate him for that today. We're going to join, um, we're going to be joined today by my good friend, Eric Medesh. Eric and I, uh, many of you may recall that we met while on friends on uh, Facebook, mutual friends on Facebook, and <clears throat> and as a result of some of our passions for uh, spirited debate and <laughs> and and diversity of opinion, and our respect for uh, the diversity of opinion, we become good friends. How you doing, Eric? Great, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Great. I'm glad you could join us. As a matter of fact, uh, Eric and I, we often spend time uh, going back and forth. Sometimes you see it in public and other times it's in private, whether it's by messenger or by text message or by telephone. And and so I, I'm, I'm delighted today that um, Eric could join us today because I think we've got a great discussion uh, to launch. And we had already already started talking about this before. And I figured, I said, you know, we, we need to share this with the public. <laughs> Usually is what happens is that every time we start talking about things and debating uh, different matters, we always think that it needs to be shared with the public. I don't know if it really does or not, but. <laughs> right. I think it's always good when you have different perspectives. And, you know, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, man, I wish we were recording this. So then here we are. <laughs> And here we are. <laughs> well, good. Well, there are a couple of things that uh, I did want to actually just mention to you before we really get into the main topic today. Uh, Eric, I've noticed one thing, and that is that uh, Donald Trump has not been inaugurated as president again. Whatever happened with that, man? You, were, you were, I was so convinced that he was going to become president again with you. Hey, we are so close. I'm telling you, I the Biden's era is almost over. I'm just just saying there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. Don't be surprised if a suddenly happens. Just saying. 2024 is what you're saying? Oh, okay. No, no. 20 way before 2024. Oh, I'll be okay. I'll be super surprised if Biden lasts through the summer. Let's just say that. Oh, wow, that's interesting. I <laughs> like this perspective. We'll have to have you come back on in the fall <laughs> or winter. Yeah. Maybe yeah. spring of next year or 2023 or something like that. And well, see. interesting you say that. Did you know, did you hear about the release of a documentary called 2000 Mules? Have you heard of this yet? No, I haven't. What is that about? That's about all the election fraud. So oh. you might want to check, you know, check that out. And there's a lot of, a lot of investigations still ongoing and a lot of court cases that the media conveniently doesn't talk about, but 
We shall see what happens. About 2,000 mules, you said? Yeah. Okay. M-U-L-E-S. Ah, interesting. I haven't I seen why. it yet, but there's a lot of hype about it. I wonder what that name came from. Why Why Muse, 2,000 Mules? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Guess we got some people stubborn. So stubborn that they're re- <laughs> refusing to ex- <laughs> accept the outcome of a democratic election. But that's okay. I-, I appreciate people who like to keep hope alive. You know, Jesse Jackson started that a long time ago. Keep hope alive. And and I appreciate those people who still have the tenacity and the and the perseverance to to actually or perseverance, however you want to pronounce it, to um, to hold on to hope. Hope against hope. That's what the Bible tells us to do. And so I, I applaud you for hoping against hope. <laughs> yeah. I also noticed a couple of things. Well, something else happened this week, and that was that the Fed raised the uh, interest rate. Wow. What do you think about that? Is it just a sham thing or is that still legitimate? Because you told me that sh- the Fed was actually shut down, I was told. Yeah. I didn't, well, I didn't say the Fed was shut down. I said the Fed is now part of the U.S. Treasury. So. Hmm. Not sure. They don't report to me as to all the all their decisions <laughs> and workings, but uh, you know, th- there's a lot of interesting things happening on that front too, the financial front. And um, so the Fed. Uh, if you see what's happening globally, a lot of the other countries' currencies are now starting to become asset-backed currencies, and um, all the countries are actually what's called ISO ISO 222 compliant, which sets the stage for asset-backed digital currencies. And uh, there's only one country left to be compliant. Guess which country that is? The, the country USA. with the best credit, supposedly, I guess. USA. <laughs> yeah, I uh, can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, It'll be so interesting to, to find out. Playing with their funny money through the Federal Reserve. They, the Federal Reserve just creates money out of thin air, but their days are over. They can't just do that anymore. So they raise rates and stuff. And yeah, we, we are definitely paying the price for that. But I, I see an end to that as well here very soon. Well, we were paying the price long before that happened. What should have happened was the rate should have been raised back in 2019. Uh, but it wasn't. And it came under the pressure, I think, of, of the president, <clears throat> of the then president. Because anytime that the economy is doing well, which was artificially inflated in the first place, I think the economy, what we called a good economy, was simply a high stock market. And the only reason the stock market was up like that was because the 2017 tax cuts uh, for corporations was used by those corporations to buy back their stock, driving the price of their stocks up, which makes the stock market look like it's really doing well. But even if the stock market is doing well and you have a low unemployment, what happens is that creates a demand, a demand that uh, outpaces supply. And when demand outpaces supply, inflation is inevitable. And I said, actually, I posted something in April 2020. Uh, before the election said the Democrats should not really want to win this election because a recession is imminent and it would happen certainly within the next four years and Democrats would get the blame for it. It was going to happen regardless. It's you, you can't continue a perpetual cycle of, of of high stock market gains and low unemployment and high demand, low supply without inflation rising. And when inflation rises, the way that uh, the feds try to control that is by raising the um, by raising the um, what do you call it? The uh, federal rate. rate, the interest rate. Thank yeah. you. 
uh, they raise the interest rates. And the reason why is they want to try to curb some of the purchasing, curb some of that demand. And when you curb that demand um, and supply can keep up with it, then you, you address the um, the inflation issue. Yeah. Or you can increase you can increase the number of workers. And this is why I don't understand why the Democrats aren't doing this right now is by uh, reversing some of the moratoriums that Trump put on legal immigration. If we legalized more of the immigration and brought some of those workers in to fulfill some of this demand, then we wouldn't have as high of a problem with inflation as we do right now. Now, some of that was started by Donald Trump closing off the borders uh, to legal immigration, drastically reducing legal immigration. And then I blame also Joe Biden for continuing some of those policies. But it's unpopular to say we're going to increase immigration, especially right now when there's a lot of illegal immigration going. So I get it. But this is the situation we find ourselves in. Yes. The last presidential term, you told me that the Fed was under the, if I'm recalling correctly, you told me the Fed was under the control of the presidency now, the executive branch. Is that still true? Does that Joe Biden now have control? I don't recall recall saying it was under the presidency branch. I said it was in the Treasury. It was now under the Treasury. I might have you confused with another gentleman that we that we debate with so oh yeah because he oh. his whole point was is that donald trump now controls the fed and that's never been your your assertion then i don't believe he controls the fed i believe i i mean maybe in some capacity he controls the treasury which controls the fed but i don't know I, i've never known the president to be able to dictate to the treasury even I know there's protocols and stuff there, but it's, yeah, it's not my opinion that the no. president controls the treasury or the Fed, but the treasury before the Federal Reserve used to be able to tell the treasury how much debt they had to to back. Mm-hmm. But now the role is reversed, and the the Fed's gonna the Fed's gonna go bankrupt. They are bankrupt. They they they've been a bankrupt entity. So I don't know if in corp in the corporate world. When a company's bankrupt and they file bankruptcy, all that debt just goes away. It gets wiped off. And so all this debt, when we go to when we go to an asset-based currency, you can't have debt in an asset-backed system. So the debt has to just get wiped out. It's interesting. There's a just a recent news clip. I can't remember, I thought it was MSNBC actually. Not it wasn't a Fox entity that was talking about it. They're talking about a day of debt cancellations. And we've seen We've seen a lot of student loan debts just wiped away. We've seen just recently, Joe Biden made a claim and did some student loan elimination. They're talking about stimulus, having ongoing stimulus payments, having car debts wiped out, credit card debts wiped out. I wonder why they'd be talking about that on mainstream media if there wasn't some semblance of a fact of that. So is that a good thing? Are you saying it's a good thing then Absolutely. to, to wipe 100%. out the debt? Oh, Absolutely. so but, but wouldn't. Wouldn't people call that socialism then? If if we're talking about wiping out debt for the people, and that what Republicans were afraid of when they were running against uh, Joe Biden, scaring all of their supporters and their base that we're going to have a socialist society if he starts wiping out student loan debts and other things of that sort. I I don't know why you say that was socialism. Why is that socialism? 
I didn't say that. That's what that's what everybody that's what the Republicans were saying. And that's what they were saying. We're trying to uh, convert. We're trying to make this into a socialist country. Here's what would be socialism, because we've heard this. There's um, there's there's clips of uh, you've heard of this great new deal or the great the great reset. Have you heard about this build back better program? Yes. Mm. Okay, so here's the premise of the build back better program. We'll wipe off your. We'll, we'll we'll get rid of your student loan or your debt on your house, Mark, and we'll get rid of your debt on your car as long as you sign that house and that car over to the government. We'll 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 take care of all that debt. That's totally different than we're just gonna we're just gonna make the the Federal Reserve wipe out debt. Debt cancellation jubilee with no strings attached is way different than the Build Back Better program that wants you to now sign your house over and your car over to the U.S. government. That would be oh, socialism. Yes, I've never heard. I've never heard that plan. I don't know where that. Uh, you should. Yeah, came what, from. this that made it to the that made it to the Canadian, um, whatever you call it. Uh, in here, we have whatever the Congress is, the House of Representatives, the floor of the House of Representatives here in America. That same equivalent in Canada. That same plan made it to the floor, and that's what they discussed as an opportunity to build back better Canada for. I and mean, this is on their congressional yeah, record. Yeah. This isn't, so to be clear, to be clear, that yeah. is not in a uh, prerogative of this administration or an expressed prerogative of this administration or proposal. This is something that you speculate may be a motive. Um, has Joe Biden, have you ever heard him talk about the, being an advocate of the Build Back Better program? I've absolutely heard him talk and it about is a being motive a, of that an advocate. You, you don't it's just because because people use the same language and say the same thing. We're going to build back better. Does that mean that you have the same you have the same strategy? I do tonsillectomies all along all the time, but and I use a cobalator to do it, and yeah. other people use an electric uh, electrocautery to do it. Some people use a cold knife, and some people use lasers. They're all tonsillectomies, but they're done by different mechanisms. So you can't just uh, lump everything into one basket because everybody's saying, you know, we're going to build back better. Everybody, right. Like Canada, Europe, Australia, all these countries, all at the same time start talking about a build back better program. And there's no, there's no connection whatsoever, even though the Federal Reserve has central banks in all of those countries and controls the banking and the finances in all those countries. But okay, nothing, there's no, I'll just, okay, so there's nothing to do with I'm, it. No I'd like to see I'd like to see the proposals in Congress. I'd like to because it's not going to happen without an act of Congress. So I'd like to see the right. bill that's that's presented before Congress that talks about selling your house and your property. The government here does not want to own your property. And, right. and there is there is. No, in fact, if they're trying to get out of anything, they're trying to get out of government backed mortgage securities already. Those that are backed by um, a federal housing agency, FHA loans, they're, they're trying to recoup that money as opposed to trying to acquire more property. That's that's definitely anti-American democracy. Yeah, I agree. It's just yeah. fine. It's yeah. It's more propaganda. It's more propaganda to suggest that the suggest that the U.S. is doing the same thing when there has been no bill proposed to do that same thing. Uh, but yet there's only this conversation of saying we're going to build back better. And and I get I get why there's a good motivation to do that. You know, you stir up the base and you get the base route up. 
and their panics suggesting that they're trying to make us into a socialist or communist country. That that tactic has been the red scare has been going on since 1920 and before. And and it has been a very successful tactic among conservatives, particularly uh, whether the conservatives of the time were Democrats or the conservatives of the current conservatives are now Republicans. That same scare, that same red scare, we're going to become a communist nation like Russia was always a very useful and effective tactic in order to rile their base. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that's a propaganda to rile the base. I don't, yeah, I don't really subscribe to, that's not where I get my information from. Yeah, you're not subscribed. You're not alleging that. That's my allegation. Okay. <laughs> my allegation that is propaganda to, to, to rile the base, though. But the base is really riled up this week. And they're, it's not as riled up as I would have expected that they would have been, especially with the leak of this, um, the draft opinion by the Supreme Court um, on Roe v. Wade. And it was uh, penned by uh, Antony, Antony Scalia. And the, the expectation is that they're going to roll back uh, Roe versus Wade or reverse Roe versus Wade, then relegating the determination of whether or not abortion should be legal to the states. I'm sure you're pretty excited about that, as as I'm sure many conservatives are excited about it as well. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm excited. Like this is a, a you know the end all victory. I think it's it's inevitable this was going to happen. I mean, it's been talked about for a long time. I mean, am I you know happy? Yeah, I'd be happy. I'm not like you know this hasn't consumed me for the last however many years. But I mean. What and what I'm let me let me pre, let me preface this though is I'm happy that this decision is going back to the states. That's what I'm most happy about. That this what I'm hearing with this opinion and everything means that this decision on that topic and that issue is now going to be relegated back to the states. So for so long, and we've had this discussion, or maybe maybe not on this show, but we've had this discussion that the federal government has had way too much control, even over the states, in dictating even to the states, what, uh, what some things have to happen. And initially that was not so. And um, there's a lot of these issues, the federal government decided to take over um, the, the, the rules or whatever you wanna call them on these topics. And now this is a decision that they're basically saying, okay, yeah, we, the federal government does not have the right to make this law across America. They, they have to send it back to the state. So each state is gonna have their own jurisdiction again and I see, I see a bringing down of the federal government and the shrinking of size of the federal government and influence and, and things going back to the states and, and hopefully ultimately the states being sovereign again and not corporate entities like the, like the bankrupt United States Corporation is being gone, done away with. So the, the only reason why the federal government will actually supersede the sovereignty of a particular state is that if there are if the states are creating laws that disenfranchise uh, a particular group of people, if we had left it up to the states, slavery would still be enacted at this point, would still probably to this day be legal. 
but the federal government had to then make an amendment to the Constitution. And I get that there has not been an amendment to the Constitution about abortions, right? But but there is uh, an amendment to the Constitution about the autonomy of a particular person's body and their decisions and their privacy. And that's what Roe versus Wade was based off was the right to privacy. Uh, where the government could not interfere with uh, a woman's ability to exercise medical care uh, regarding her body. Now, that has now the government, this this Supreme Court has now reversed that supremacy that an individual would have to be able to determine what happens with his or her own body. That's problematic, to, in my mind, at least. And, and, and I get it. You and I, we share a lot of things in common. Uh, both of us are pro-life, you know, meaning that we are for life. And both of us, I believe, uh, think that abortion is immoral and wrong. It certainly displeases the heart of God when it happens. I think both of we can agree with that. And um, we might even have some similarities about when life begins, when life begins. You know, I, I don't dispute that life doesn't begin at conception. I I don't necessarily subscribe to that idea, but I don't dispute it. Um, I do respect other people who do dispute that belief. I don't think that because I feel a certain way, everybody else has to feel a, has to feel a certain way. And I don't think that I should enact laws that cause other people to conform to my ideology. Now, if you want to talk about big government, that's where it comes is big government. You can call it big government, federal government, or you can call it big state government. In any case, this government is enacting a law that will cause me to conform to what your ideologies are and what your belief concerning life is to the point that it imposes on my autonomy over my own body. And, and right to privacy. But you're okay with that, though. No, I, I, I'm, not, no I'm not against, um, I'm not against, I mean, there, there, there has to be discussion, there has to be a meeting of the minds to, to respect, you know, privacy and those rights. I'm not disputing that. Nobody, no, never did I say or do I believe that people have to think the way I do. And, the, and we have a constitution that is, that is, it was set, take the Bible or our religious views and set it aside. I mean, we have a constitution that we have to deal with that has to respect the rights of all people, no matter what what their what their framework is. Okay. And so, well, if that's the case, then is abortion murder? I believe it is. And but do you that, think that, 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 that? But that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Whether do, I believe it is. Do you think that laws should reflect that belief? And you're, you're okay with laws imposing that type of belief when it's one is probably not the majority opinion of the people in the country. Well, yeah, and that, that doesn't, well, you, that's a great um, thought that, you know, polls can be swayed one way or another, but to, to say that that's not the, the opinion of the majority of the people in America, that's a nice talking point, but that may or may not be a reality. But let me, the, but this is the thing, hear what I said. I said, that the Constitution sets aside the rights of all people. So even the life inside, there's the, the uns they, they don't have a voice. So though even the rights of that baby has to be spoken for and has to be accounted for in some way, in some fashion, whether I agree it's murder or whether somebody else agrees it's murder, there still has to be the rights of that individual 
who still has not manifest yet out of a birth canal, but is still a living being inside of a birth canal. Right. And, so, and that's what and that's what Roe v. Wade established, it established when a fetus legally it determined when a fetus can be considered a human being or a citizen. And then at that point, and that's at the age of viability, did, at the age of viability. At the age of viability, they haven't really, you know, where it can survive autonomous apart from the mother. And so at that point, it's 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 the age of viability. In this case, most times it's around 20 weeks of gestation. And okay. so and in many states then actually push that back further and said beyond 15 weeks, we won't do it. And now we got beyond six weeks and then but we're moving to the point where it's going to be even at conception. So even those people who have fertilized egg and use an IUD theoretically can be charged with murder. Some some states are now looking to say we're going to charge you with murder if you. Uh, abort a fetus. If you abort a a, a, a zygote, for that matter, uh, if you take the morning after pill, because these things are helping to prevent implantation of a fertilized egg into the uterus, and so it's it's opened up. I think a lot of uh, Pandora's boxes that I don't think that we're prepared to deal with as a country, and right. most importantly, I think that um, it's taking back a right. It's snatching a right that women in this country have enjoyed, and when I say enjoyed, I'm not saying in terms of a pleasure, but have, right. have, have been able to exercise for the past 50 years. And we see what happens when people, when people who are in power, and I'm gonna just go ahead and say it, generally white men who are in power feel like their rights are being snatched against them. They, they, they mount up on, uh, on Capitol bill, state Capitol buildings, they start scaling the walls of the federal Capitol, the U.S. Capitol, and and revolt. And so what happens is, and this is a small group of people, but yet they don't want their rights infringed on or taken away. But yet they celebrate when a woman's rights are snatched away that they've been able to exercise for the past fifty years. Yeah, I wouldn't. Again, I'm not. So I wouldn't say that I'm celebrating that those rights are being taken away. And again. I think all of the discussion needs to be had and things need to be, you know, dealt with so that all rights are are accounted for, whatever that means. But there there's so many other so many other things that are tied to to that to that bill and that industry. That it isn't just the topic of abortion. I mean, now we have taxpayer dollars that are funding this, and that's I mean, is that right? And so all this stuff, there's so many other things. And I mean, I can get into my conspiracy theory about the trafficking and the child harvesting that comes through those entities and those organizations that are factual. I wouldn't even say they're conspiracy theories because we have a vice president who decided with, with that evidence presented to her to not charge people who were distributing baby parts, but instead charge the person that, that got the undercover video in trouble and arrested for for such for bringing that video forth, but did but turned her head against the industry and that and uh, so the the fact that that's happening is has to be also considered and discussed. That's all wrapped into this this bill in this industry. That's a that's a, a battle. So let me ask this question. So if the Supreme Court had established, uh, or if the courts had established that. Um, 
a fetus is not considered a citizen until they've reached the age of viability. Why then is it okay then to infringe on a woman's right for autonomy for the sake of somebody who is not even considered a citizen or is not even from a legal standpoint considered a human? So pro so what you're saying is if the Supreme Court, let's let's just establish a, a hypothetical right now that the Supreme Court in this law with Roe Ro v. Wade says that um, life inside of the womb is at uh, viability is 20 weeks, half the half the pregnancy. Is that what okay. you're saying? The, 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 the Supreme Court didn't state a specific age because that's okay. actually, you know, with time that changes. Uh, because years ago it would have been 30, you know, when Roe v. Wade came, it probably would have been 30 weeks or 35 weeks or something or whatever. But okay. the point was, the point is, is that if a fetus is not viable, then that fetus is not entitled to the same inalienable rights as the mother who is carrying that fetus. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's just agree on that. Let's just agree on that. So with that, with what you said, we would then agree that at some point in the fetus, the this this baby would now be a legal citizen and and entitled to certain rights. That's correct? what that's what I believe Roe v. Wade is either Roe v. v. Wade or Casey. Okay, afterwards. so one of the two of them. So should we? I mean, let's just pick instead of halfway. Let's pick thirty weeks. Should we say thirty weeks? I you know I would hope not. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't matter at this point. The states for, were I mean, the for ones. Arguments, for argument's sake, let's just let's just pick a time frame. Well, twenty weeks has been twenty weeks has for the past several decades been the cutoff. Really, about okay. So weeks about my question then would be: twenty weeks. Let's let's just agree twenty weeks. Mm -hmm. How many abortions happen after twenty weeks, and how many happen prior to twenty weeks? About eight percent. Of all abortions, happen about after, after twenty weeks, the 20 vast weeks. majority of of abortions occur under the twenty week period. Under the twenty weeks, Correct. so the argument that's always thrown around for pro women's rights is this woman that gets raped. God forbid, I'm not making light of this at all, and it's a it's horrible, and that person should be tragically dealt with. Anybody that's involved in that gets pregnant. And then now we have to have the right, this person's rights protected. Well, they're protected. There's still, it's still prior to 20 weeks. So why is that? Why okay. is that demographic always being used as the top argument to support abortion? They won't be protected because when you go back once Roe v. Wade, they were protected before, but once Roe v. Wade is overturned and I think it's the majority, I think up to 30 states, in the United States of America, 30 states, which are predominantly Republican led legislatures because of gerrymandering and and other things of that nature, uh, which which really does not represent the majority of America. But any case, but because the way that our Constitution is set up and our form of government is set up, a minority can actually determine uh, laws for the majority of people. And in, once Roe v. Wade goes up, there are many states have what they call phantom laws that, that have remained on the books but just have not been enforceable since Roe v. Wade. Uh, as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned, those laws become back into effect. Other states, I think Louisiana has made it uh, 
illegal to abort any fetus at any state and to the point where I think the DA is saying that uh, he's going to, or the attorney general is saying that he's going to pursue murder charges for any woman who has any abortion at any stage. This is the reason why we need the federal government to intervene in some of these rights, because now the woman's rights are being infringed upon by the states. And when the states continue to infringe upon a citizens of a United States citizens rights or multiple United States citizens rights, then the federal government needs to step in and intervene to prevent that from happening because states do some crazy things because you got some straight crazy governors. You got some crazy, uh, you know, congressmen who, who pass laws that that are frankly based in white patriarchy. And as a result, you know, they don't represent the, the desires and or the needs, but anybody but the white patriarchy that put them in place in the first place. I don't I don't I don't know all the states and what they do. And I mean, I, I hear that narrative, you know, thrown around quite a bit. I don't buy that, that all the states are all every state and every government is all controlled by white patriarchy. I don't buy that. So well, well, you don't have to you don't have to buy the white patriarchy thing, but by all yeah. means, believe and understand that um, understand that what's going to happen is that these states, these 30 states are prepared to enact very uh, stringent abortion laws, some of which that will prevent it altogether. Texas has already passed a law that makes it illegal for you to have an abortion beyond six weeks. They're going to cut that back even further uh, once they once the chains have been cut loose from Roe v. Wade. And you don't think that that's going to happen? I don't know. I it mean, will. It, it will. You be well, honest. You're, you're let's be, let's be honest. It, let's be not. honest now. You 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 know the you know the conservative mindset, and you know the 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 that. What has been happening, the reason why people pinched their nose and voted for Donald Trump was because he promised to overturn Roe v. Wade. And that's one of the reasons why so many people tolerated Donald Trump was because he did what he said he was going to do in terms of appointing conservative judges to the bench that would have the gall to lie to Congress in their confirmation hearings and say that it's settled law and then turn around and actually do the thing that they said they wouldn't do. So what was that you were saying earlier in the show about rallying the base and with the propaganda to get the, uh, what was that you were saying earlier that they do for the red states? They rally the support base with the fear tactics of socialism. socialism you, don't yeah. see, you don't see that as the fear tactic that they're rallying the democratic base to rally everybody around? Listen, no, like, I don't you, see These are all hypotheticals. These are not hypotheticals. They are bills that are pending in the state legislatures right now. That's not a hypothetical. And these are legislatures that are Republican led and Republicans in order to secure their reelection are saying we're going to do this as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned. This is not this is not propaganda. This is not hype. This is what's literally about to happen. And so, yes, I like to be in a position where you are to think that every legislature is going to think about all of the citizens in their states and, and, and carefully consider all of their rights to not infringe upon them. But I just don't believe that. And, and, and in fact, the laws that are being 
the bills that are being written as we speak, many of which have already are just sitting on the desk and waiting for Roe v. Wade to be turned over, are Mark, going to what, be enacted. Here's what simply needs to happen. If, like you say, 70% of the people don't allow this, then I would expect that 70% of the people better be on the state cap, their state capitol buildings when, the, when this happens. I want to see those. I want to see those people on those Capitol buildings. Like if if, if you thought that the, the, what we saw on the national stage, then that should be showing up on every state Capitol that is going to pass those laws. Let the voices be heard. Let the let us see those people. Let me see. Let me see the cameras showing the crowd of all these seventy percent of people who disagree with this. They need to be. They need to have their voices heard. Have you not been watching the news the past week since the leak came out? They've yeah, already started. Yeah, they've, they've already started. Now, all 70 percent, nobody's going to 70 uh, percent of the country aren't going to do anything. Uh, no, what, what percentage would you would you guess with the numbers of people you saw on January 6th at the Capitol? What number do you think that that would represent of America? The number of people that came on uh, the Capitol is point one point zero one percent of America at best, or zero zero one percent of America. Yeah, at but best. it's not it's not it's not practical that everybody in America is going to be there. But it represents a certain demographic, a percentage of America. Same thing with the people that are showing up to the to the SCOTUS Capitol um, to to protest and all this. It represents a percentage of America. No, it's not practical that everybody would be there, but it does speak volumes of a percentage of people in America. Oh, it does. It does. And you, you're going to start seeing you're, you're already yeah, seeing, see it. you're seeing, see it. You, you've got to look for it though, but it's, it's on the media. You'll see it where they're probably not showing it on conservative media because they don't want you to see that people are actually upset about this, but there are, there are people who are out protesting from the moment that thing had leaked and We'll see what happens. My fear is, is that when the rights of a large swath of people are being snatched from them, that uh, by uh, the control of a minority of people who have power, that eventually revolt is inevitable. And I think we're about to see that. We're going to see it not just with this abortion piece, but um, the other things that were supposedly settled law. Uh, you know, LGBT and same-sex marriage; those things are probably going to be on the chopping block. Um, interracial marriage, for that matter, even you know, is states can 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 even get to the point where they say it's illegal to have interracial marriage. And the reason being is because they've set a precedent with overturning Roe v. Wade that settled law means nothing, settled and affirmed law means nothing. It, it doesn't mean that it's just settled because because Roe v. Wade had been settled, but then it was reaffirmed by Casey uh, later on. And, you know, it's been affirmed two times and every Supreme Court justice who is now voting for who will vote for to overturn it have in their confirmation hearings advocated for um Starry decisis, which means that settled law is is settled law, and that there's no reason to go back in and try to rechange it. Now that they have the opportunity and they have the power to do it, they turn and they become hypocritic, hypocritical, 
And uh, and and they, you know, the thing that they said they wouldn't do in order to get into that position, they turn around and do. It. I'm not surprised by it because it's the it's the way of the it's the way of the land. It's a human nature thing to say I'm going to say whatever I need to say in order to get into this lifetime appointment. And then once I'm in, got this lifetime appointment, if I have the support that I need, I'm going to go against everything that I said in the first place. And I, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with it. I have a problem with it. Not if you're if you're a um, professed sinner or atheist or agnostic. I don't have a problem with any of them doing it. I have a big problem when someone who professed to be Christian says they're going to do one thing and says they believe one thing and turns around and does another. And that's the reason why you see me so uh, heavily harp on evangelicals, particularly white evangelicals, because I just see so much hypocrisy. And and that hypocrisy is negatively reflecting on what I believe the body of Christ should be represented or how I believe the body of Christ should be represented in this country. Yeah, I don't no disagreement. Hmm. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens when uh, I, I, <laughs> I I like your optimism or naivete to think that the states are going to still protect these women's rights. There have been many of the states who have said that even who have left out in that. I think Michigan even maybe one of them who have left out the um, the option for abortion against even in cases of rape. There have been one of the states who have actually said that they will not even give a uh, an ex an excuse or an exception when the life of the mother is in jeopardy. That's that's the situation that we're getting into. And if ever there was a reason for uh, the federal government to usurp the sovereignty of a state in a certain situation to protect someone's rights, this would be the situation whether the federal government needs to step in. So Do they need to step in for a homosexual marriage? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But but somebody's life is at stake in this situation. So let me ask you this. Are, are you familiar with the with the state that wants to pass a law that it's OK to abort a child even after 30 days after it comes out of the birth canal? Are you familiar I, with that? I'm not familiar with that. I haven't heard that one. I've heard that. I haven't seen any legislation. Let me say I haven't seen any legislation that supported that position. I haven't seen anybody. And and the person who did it, there was one there was a fake bill. There was a satirical bill that was written that uh, suggested that. And then it never really was submitted to the to the legislature for consideration. And a lot of a lot of conservatives caught that and they ran with it. And it, again, stirred up the red meat for their base because, oh, no, states are wanting to now have abortions after the child is born. That that has never has never been presented to a legislature. Well, I'm just saying it's that same fear tactic that, you know, you're saying all these states are going to do this. It's it's proposed. It's, nothing's been passed yet. That's my whole point. Nothing's the difference, been passed. The difference between what you're talking about and what I'm talking about is that the bill has been submitted to the legislature. In my case, what I'm talking about, the bills have been submitted to the legislature. In some cases, the bills seen, have passed. You've seen all these bills in all 30 states that you're talking about. You've seen and, all these bills. 
they are available online. You can go look them up yourself to find out what are the bills that are being proposed. Every You've state put their bills there. I haven't seen every one of them, but I okay. have seen enough of them to know that that's what's going on. I've seen enough of the interviews of the attorney generals who said that, yes, we are going to plan to, I do plan to prosecute these people who have an abortion. I've seen those things. And, and, and I know what lies ahead. I mean, these are representatives. Listen to what you're saying. These are representatives of 70%. Oh, you said 70% of America thinks that this is wrong. And these people, these state representatives represent those 70% of the people in all of these states. No, they don't somehow, represent. Huh? No, they don't represent 70%. No, they, they represent the state. They represent their constituents right. and their districts. Yes. The representatives, right. The representatives represent the people, so they have, they need to vote the way that the people put them in to vote, right? They rep they represent their districts. They represent represent their districts. The way that ours our government is set up, as I'm sure you're aware, is that highly concentrated urban areas, which have most uh, most of the populations, typically uh, have fewer representation in a state legislature than those areas that are more rural, which are wider. And so, yes, you can have a lot of people in one particular state, but you only get two representatives for that, for that city in that district. And then more people can be in that one or two little, in terms of quantity, more people are in that one or two districts than there are in the entire state altogether. But the people in the other rural areas have more representation, even though they have a smaller population. So the representatives represent their districts. They don't necessarily represent the people or the majority of the people in their states. And that's the same situation that we have with the country, where you have more states that are controlled. The legislatures are controlled by Republicans because of the way that lines are districting, uh, uh, the districting lines. Um so now you've got Republicans controlling more states and putting forth and representing smaller populations in those states, whereas the larger population is represented by the Democrats, but they don't have the control of the state legislatures because of districting. And it's it's a bad setup. It's it's honestly just a bad setup where the majority of the people in these Republicans control and some of the Republicans control control stake. If you look at just the numbers, they're not represented by their representatives. Nashville, Davidson County. Guess what they did? Davidson County was historically blue. Guess what they did? They came in and redistricted. They broke it up so that uh, into three different areas so that black people Generally, the the vast, the highest concentration of black people in Tennessee is in the Davidson County area. And most of our vote has now been diluted because of the redistrict redistricting. How could they do that? Because the state, uh, the uh, state legislature is Republican. And so it didn't matter. I'm, I won't say that it's just because we're black, but it's mainly because we're Democratic. Demo we vote Democratic in, by and large. And so if there were, I don't care what color you were, if they were, if you were trying to, um, if you're trying to break up the Democratic vote in your area, you redistrict it. And that's what they did in Nashville, Tennessee. The problem with that is that 
uh, they also recognize that by doing that, they disenfranchise a disproportionate number of black votes in the city. And do they care about it? No, because they don't intend to represent the, the citizens of their states. They just intend to represent the people in their districts who elected them. And that's a problem. Yeah, I I hate the redistricting stuff. I don't. I, I've never understood that. I've never. I've never. Yeah, I, I don't like how that's manipulated. Almost every election year, there's a redistricting to control the outcome. And they do it on both sides. They do it on both sides. I get that. And uh, yeah. and 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 it's good that when it goes to the state supreme court, if the state supreme court shoots it down because they can see that there's a. Um, a racial or a demographic, some other demographic uh, bias imposed from it. The Voting Rights Act, and, and this is probably just a little bit different. The reason why that was in place was because the uh, the South, in the South, what will happen is that they would intentionally uh, do things and enact laws. Redistricting is just one of them, uh, but many other laws that would intentionally disenfranchise black people. And so the Voting Rights Act was was the act of the federal government to protect the rights of U.S. citizens who happen to be black. And what, as soon as that was lifted, guess what happened? <laughs> they went right back to those Republican legislatures, went right back to redistricting to, to, to create lines that disenfranchised Americans, citizens who just happened to be black. And so that's why the federal government needs to be able to impose laws that that supersede the states, because the states just aren't going to do right by their all of their citizens. They're going to look at the citizens in their districts who 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 they represent and ignore the other districts, which might be more populous than all the other districts combined. Just because yeah, I don't know. I, I think if there's enough people out there making their voices heard and make a presence, I mean, what happened in Nashville here? Let's talk another Nashville situation. We had there's a bill that was going to be passed. Was it for was it for um, homosexual marriages? There, there's a bill recently that was passed and the there's a big stink about it because it didn't have an age limitation on it. So legitly, if this bill got passed, you could have a 13 year old marrying a 50 year old under this new new bill voices everybody started just blasting this new bill that came out and they had to make that age clarification in there in order for the bill to even get proposed so don't tell me it can't it can't happen you just gotta the voices if everybody that you say is is that going to speak that loud then they need to speak that loud i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm an advocate for everything that you're saying i would disagree if that's if that's what happens in these other states and they do that, I would disagree with a lot of it because there would have to be rights that are, you know, th this rights issue would have to be addressed, in my opinion. And that's my position where I would stand. I just I'll don't buy. Huh? I'll send you links. I will send you links yeah. of the bills that 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 show it so that you so that. you. Yeah, are, that, again, they're, they they could be proposed, but the people need to raise the biggest stink. If there's 70 percent of America that you say does not agree with this type of stuff, then we should hear a large number of these people making a big fuss about this at all state levels. That's what, because it just happened in Nashville. A big stink was raised to a bill that was being proposed. 
There's no age limit involved, which would have allowed a 13-year-old girl to be married to a 50-year-old guy, legitly, and under this new bill. But a bunch of stuff was raised, and they got a bunch of slack for it, and guess what? The bill got amended. So if all these bills are out there, then we need to get these links out there and tell the people, get out there and start blasting these bills. That's what needs to happen. Oh, they are. They are. But the point is, is sometimes your voice is not listened to. The voice is not heard. We were there were ten. There were tens of thousands of there were 10,000 BLM protests. Ninety six percent of them were or ninety three percent of them were peaceful protests. Do you think that their voices got heard a lot of places? No. The what was listened to was the 7% of the BLM ones. And, and there was only about 4% of them altogether that were dealing with racial injustice. So there were 10,000 altogether and about 96% of all of them, whether they were BLM or some other, 96% of them were peaceful. But what happened was what got the attention? The 4% that weren't. And 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 Hard. as a result, and as a result, the um, the um, the the message got lost, and the message was ignored again, still by a lot of the state legislature. Tell me, what does what does what does peaceful protest produce? Uh, I'll tell you what four percent. Oh wait, let me wait, let me take that produce. back. Let me let me take that back. Four percent. I mean, tell me what peaceful protests by people who are not in power do. People who do not have power do nothing. Nothing. Well, nothing. Nothing. It really does nothing. Because what will happen is that people Art, will continue so people will continue to to uh our politicians will continue to follow the dollars who's supporting them financially and if and, and and where the big dollars are, that's where they go. If you start attacking America in the pocket, America starts listening. Well. I think, are you running out of time on your show? <laughs> I've got a little couple more minutes here left. Oh, okay. Well, because I mean, we would go in, we would just go into the, the, the problem, the real, the root problem in America is the, this corporate government that's been controlling things and playing us against each other all these years. So they, they keep making one side think the other side's the problem. And we keep fighting against each other. We don't fight against the real people who are the problem. And if we could ever come together and unite and start exposing and addressing these people who are the problem and not think that they're the answer to the, to the problem of the other side, it's, uh, it's like it's WrestleMania in real life. I mean, it's crazy how we buy into all this stuff all the time. And if we could ever get to the point where we just come together I think we could put we could uh, make a big a big uh, impact in righting the all these wrongs. I do believe I, I do believe that U.S. We say that we're a democracy and that we we have democratic processes, but reality we are an oligarchy because if right. you have the money, if you have the money, you can basically put who you want to put in office. Ron DeSantis has uh, like a hundred million dollars uh, in campaign funds right at this point. Why? Yeah. Because he keeps saying the things that people, his base wants to hear and people keep pouring money into him. And, and it's the people who have money as well are the ones who are putting big dollars into his campaigns. Um, and, and that's, that's the way that all laws are pretty much passed. It's like you've got, your lobbyists on on um, who can afford the best lobbyists, right? 
who can yes. afford access to the congressman, and whether it's state or whether it's federal government. And that is a problem. I do agree with you on that one. That's a problem. And that is that our legislature legislators don't necessarily have a commitment to or an obligation to really uh, to represent all the people of their state and to make decisions based off of what's best for their state. So I'm glad to hear that you actually think we have an oligarchy in our country and not a democracy. So I'm glad to hear this. Oh, I, I I don't deny that. I, it's 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 a um, sham democracy more than anything. Yeah, it is. Because. It's a show. It's a big show, and they play democracy, and they 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 tell us it's a democracy to give us hope. Blame everybody. The next four years. I mean, we've dealt with this our whole life. You know, we get a Republican president in, and oh, everything's going to be solved, and it doesn't get solved, and then a Democratic president comes in, and the House, and everything shifts. There's never a majority and nothing ever happens the way it's supposed to happen. They just keep playing games with us all the time. And it's this, it's this Republican Democrat philosophy. That's all part of one ship controlling the people. It's a, it's a game that they play. And I've, I realized that years ago. That's why I don't. Yeah. Well, we're going to end this on a point of agreement then. It's yeah. always good. To, it's always good to end on some agreement with you. But uh, I appreciate you well, coming in and joining us here on the Roundtable Consult. Again, as always, uh, I appreciate your honesty, your candor, your openness and your diversity of thought. Um, I also enjoy the humor of some of the arguments that you make. <laughs> well, someday, you know, your, your audience doesn't really get to appreciate all the things that you get the humor from from me on all the crazy stuff that we talk about in, in our private messages. So I'm, I'm glad I could be entertaining and I'm glad we could end it on a positive note. Cause I felt I was in the hot seat coming out of the gates here and uh, being blasted with this stuff. But uh, thanks to the audience for letting me share my, my perspective. And um, thank you for, uh, for allowing, you know, that same uh, discussion on different perspectives. Definitely, definitely. Well, again, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we want to thank all of you all for joining in and tuning to the uh, tuning into the Roundtable Consult as you do every week. You can catch us here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or you can catch us on the Star Radio or your favorite podcast host. Until next week, we wish you Godspeed. <laughs> This has been another episode of the Roundtable Consult. Listen to this or other episodes at your convenience on your favorite podcast directory or listening app. Or catch us live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern at facebook.com forward slash roundtable consult. Tune in live and join the conversation.